Lord, we are the recipients. We are the most blessed because we are the recipients of your grace. That was, and your grace, Lord, is the one that you've united us with Jesus Christ in his death and resurrection. Whether we can come here and sing praises to you, our ears are open to your word, and our passions and affections are aiming towards you because we are the beneficiary of your resurrection. Father, as we discuss about what the resurrection is, I pray that you give us a clarity of understanding. And may that clarity of understanding, Lord, give us a clear understanding of your love for us. And may that understanding of your love for us completely change the way we live our lives. All these things. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Where's my water? Where? Oh, why is my water there? I think that's a sign of like getting old, right? And my memory's going. So, um, one second. So today we have baptism service right after the sermon, and there isn't going to be like an end, right, to a sermon. And we're going to go directly to baptism right after the sermon. And the reason why we do this is so that I want the baptism also to be part of the sermon. I want you to see the complete view of, the, of what the resurrected life looks like. And that includes the baptism, right? So we're going to talk about the resurrection, and we're also going to talk about what baptism is. So I remember, um, today is Easter Sunday, and today we remember and celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So I remember hearing a guest speaker one time, and she was uh, sharing her testimony about you know, the problems that she had when she was in her marriage. Right? And I think her husband did some certain things that caused a deep problem in their marriage. Um, this woman um, was raised in a, in a church, and she still att faithfully attended a church. Um, and then she said during this marriage crisis they were going through, um, she went to church and she, he heard the pastor preach about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Right? And then she was very honest during the testimony. She said, as I was listening to the pastor preaching of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, she was thinking, what does the resurrection of Jesus Christ have to do with me? What does the resurrection of Jesus Christ have to do with my financial problems? My marriage problems? She couldn't place the significance of the re resurrection to her everyday troubles. I think she's honest, and if many of us are honest with ourselves, I think we're, we can identify with her. Let me ask you a question this morning in this Resurrection Sunday. What does the resurrection of Jesus Christ have to do with your life? How is the res res resurrection of Jesus Christ, which is the central event in all the universe, right? What is the resurrection of Jesus Christ? How does that relate to you, your problems, your relationships, your job? Can you give me an answer? We never really thought about it, right? What the resurrection really means. And I think partly it's because pastor did a really poor job of 
telling people what the resurrection is, right? And therefore, we don't have a clear idea of resurrection. Some of us think resurrection of Jesus Christ is like a doctrine that you need to agree to get your foot into the door of the church. You've got to say, yeah, I believe in the resurrection. Therefore, I'm inside the church. Now I can be part of the church. Some people believe the resurrection of Jesus Christ is some, as a story that you've looked, it's a familiar story that you listen to ever since you were a kid. And you never thought really much about it. And then I was talking to someone, and that person says, you know, I believe in God, but I don't see how the resurrection is, is, is important. I believe in God, but I don't know why I need to believe in the resurrection. There are some churches out there, a lot of churches out there, that tell you the resurrection is just a theological, symbolic story. That Jesus Christ never really physically resurrected. The resurrection story is just a symbolic story that conveys the meaning of God's love. Right? Resurrection is a symbolic story that shows how much God loves you. And that, it's just a story and a theory. There are many churches who teach that. Paul, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, will tell such churches and will tell people who think resurrection has nothing to do with your life, he will tell such people that you're dead wrong. Paul says, if Jesus Christ did not resurrect from the grave, if he didn't physically resurrect from the grave, then he says everything that you do in his name is useless. It's in vain. Vain means you're dead. It's nothing. Paul is saying, if Jesus Christ did not ro- physically rose from the grave, then you're, what you're doing here, listening to me, I'm, when I'm preaching to you, it's a, it's a gigantic, colossal waste of time. Jesus Christ has to be physically resurrected, Paul says, in order for, in order to have, for us to be assured that our sins have been forgiven. If Jesus Christ did not rise from the dead, he says we are still in our sins. And we are, to be still, we are the most pitied people in the world. Because if he remains dead, then, it, then this is just stupid. The death and resurrection of Jesus Christ is the most important thing. That's why Paul says, in verse, in verse um, 3, For I delivered to you as of first importance what I received from, 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 from Christ. He says, the, the, the most important thing, of first important means the most important thing, the most important thing that I received and that I'm giving it to you, the most important treasure in the war, in the universe, is Jesus Christ died for your sin. He rose again on the third day, according to scriptures. The death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, Paul says, is the most important thing. It is in which everything, it is in which everything is built upon. It is in which the whole universe is built upon that event, the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Do you believe in the resurrection? And you're confused. I don't understand how the resurrection really deals with my faith. What does the resurrection have to do with God loving me? What does the resurrection have to do with God providing for me? What does the, what is the relationship between resurrection 
right? And my faith. You say it is a central part of everything, but I still can't see it. So hopefully that's what we're going to talk about today. Why the resurrection of Jesus Christ is so important. Let's talk about how Paul views the resurrection. Number one, Paul views the resurrection as a historic fact. Right? He talks about verse 4, 5, and 6. He talks about right, that Jesus Christ died and he rose again. And he, then he appeared to Cephas, which is Peter, and the other disciples. Right? And then he appeared to five, well, more than 500 men and women. I'm sorry, 500 men. 511 to be exact. He, the risen Christ appeared to 500 men, over 500 men. Then the resurrected Christ appeared to James, the brother of, brother of Jesus. And to, the, and to the apostles. And lastly, Jesus, the risen Lord, appeared to Paul himself. The reason why Paul is giving this event is to convey that Christianity is not based on philosophical, theological ideas. Christianity is based on witness accounts. Christianity was founded by people, not people who had lost the ideas about God. No, Christianity was founded by people who literally witnessed the living, resurrected Lord. You understand? Christianity is not a new theological religion. It is based on why witnesses account of people who witnessed the resurrected Jesus Christ. It is eyewitness faith. So in Paul's mind, the resurrection is a fact. Just like Donald John Trump is the president of the United States, right? Just like Pastor Jay Lee is the pastor of Embrace Ministry. Just as Jay Lee is younger than Pastor Wujin. It is an inarguable, uncontroversial fact. Do you understand? I'm going to put that as much as I can, the fact that I'm younger than him. It's a fact, you see. A fact. It's a real life event. And because the resurrection of Jesus Christ is something that is real, that really happened, Paul says, when you receive this gospel, right? When, when the Corinthians receive this gospel, that's what verse 1 means, right? When, when the Corinthians receive this gospel, that, that truth of the resurrected Jesus Christ has really has changed them in, in, in real ways. The word receive here in verse 1 means Accepting something as true. That's what receive means. Receive doesn't mean, oh, maybe it's true, maybe not true. No, receive here means, once again, Pastor Jay is younger than Pastor Ujin. That's a fact, and they received it as a fact. Right? These guys, these Corinthians, who never was never raised in the church, were not Jews, they were never raised in the church. They received the truth that Jesus Christ resurrected from the grave. They received that as fact, and because they received that as fact, their lives started to change in real ways. The real-life resurrection of Jesus Christ changed these Corinthians' lives in real ways. Can you see that? In Paul's mind, there is no such thing as just, like, Christianity. If you're a real Christian, Paul says, God will work in you. He will change you. He will, he will change you in real ways. Because Jesus Christ really rose from the dead. The reality of the resurrection is a direct cause of the reality of the change in the Corinthians' hearts. You understand? The reality of the resurrection is the real, real reason why Paul himself changed in real ways. 
Who was the Apostle Paul? I don't know whether you guys know, but the Apostle Paul, before he became the Apostle, Apostle Paul, basically we're here, here. No one's here Jewish, right? All of you have black eyes and brown hair and, hi Sean, how you doing? Right? And then, hey, Livia, how you doing? Right? Besides for that section over there, right? <laughs> All of us are, like, are not Jews, basically. Right? I mean, Sean and Olivia aren't Jews, right? Maybe, Ancestry.com, right? Anyway, right? But we're here. We're not Jewish people. We're here worshiping Jesus Christ. Why? Because of the Apostle Paul. Who was the Apostle Paul? He became the Apostle Paul. He was Saul of Tarsus. And who was, what did Saul of Tarsus' job? His job was a Pharisee. And what he's known for was he was a church persecutor. Before meeting Jesus Christ, he was a persecutor of the church. That's what he says today. He went out and killed Christians. Look, I mean, let's, let's just think about this. I'm a reformed Calvinist, just like Pastor Ujin. You're a five-pointer, right, Pastor Ujin? Okay, there you go. I'm in. That's why I love it. And so Calvinists believe in biblical, John 6 says, Jesus Christ came to die for the church, for his people. He created everyone in the world, whether they're Christian or not, but he died for his people. His people are his special inheritance. His people are the people that, they're his treasure, they're his beloved. And Paul killed them. Remember last time we talked about like um, Lot, and I was so offended by how why God saved Lot because Lot was a punk. But at least Lot didn't kill Christians. Like there are still Christians being killed in the world, right? Executed, beheaded in the world. And Paul was one of them. Right? Why did Paul kill Christians? Because Paul had a worldview. Like all of us have a worldview. All of us have a narrative of what the world is. All of us in our heads have a narrative of what the world is, who God is, what we what what we what what, what is ought to be. Right? All of us have it, really. Right? The reason why Fox News and CNN can't get along is because they have a really different view of how the world works. All of us have a view of how the world works. All of us have a view of how God works. Paul had a very specific idea about who God is, what he stands for, and in his narrative view, Christians were, Christians were sitting against the worldview. Therefore, Christians needed to die. Why did Hitler kill the Jews? Because in his mind, the Jews right, right, like, did not fit into his narrative of a right world. That's why he killed the Jews. Paul, in his mind, had a worldview, and in his worldview, Christians are evil, and they should die. And Paul was a church killer. On his way to persecute more Christians, Jesus Christ appeared to him. The risen Lord Jesus Christ appeared to him in real ways. Right? You, you, you know the story. When the risen Lord encountered, when Paul encountered the risen Lord, from that moment on, his worldview flipped. 
rather than becoming a persecutor of the church. Paul says he worked hard for the church. He risked everything for the church. He risked everything for the gospel that he, hated, he once hated. Why? Did it be, is it because Paul had a theological awakening? No. He met the risen Lord. You see? If Paul didn't meet the risen Lord, his argument in 1 Corinthians 15, if Paul didn't meet the risen Lord, he would have never changed. If those of you who are experiencing any, any spiritual growth and change and transformation, it is because Jesus Christ rose from the dead. Theory, theology, philosophy will not change you fundamentally, will not shift your worldview. It won't. Only the risen Lord can. That's why Paul says if Jesus Christ did not rise from the dead, everything is useless. But it's because he rose from the dead, his people have life. Are you understanding me? You get it? Theologically, then, what's the significance of the resurrection? There's three significance of the resurrection that Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Right? Once again, in Paul's view, the resurrection is a historic event. To the early church members, the resurrection is a real-life event. Then why... Then why... Is the resurrection so significant? We didn't read these verses because, you know, I don't want to quote a long chapter, but I should have. Anyway, there are three main reasons in 1 Corinthians 15 of why, what, what, why the resurrection is so significant. Verse 17, it says, If Christ has not been raised, we are still in our sins. So what Paul is saying is this. Just because Jesus Christ died for our sins, okay, that's because Jesus Christ died for our sins. If, if Jesus Christ just died for your sins, and, but if he didn't resurrect, then you're still in your sins. Your, your forgiveness has not been accomplished. I know, like me and all the preachers, we emphasize the fact that Jesus died for you, right? And which is rightfully so. But Paul's argument in 1 Corinthians 15 is, just because he died for you, it, that act of dying for you does not, make, does not cleanse you of your sins. He need to have been resurrected. What? Let's talk, let's talk about this one. This is a very deep theological concept. You guys are all smart, right? So you understand. Romans 4, chapter 25. Paul says again, Jesus is raised for our justification. Paul is saying, if Jesus Christ did not rise from the dead, then we would not be justified. Just for the fact that he died for you doesn't make you justified in God's sight. He needed to be raised from the dead. What is the connection? It's boring. I don't know what that means. I'll give you an example from my life, right? So I do a lot of stuff. And one of the stuff, one of the banes of my existence is I got to file an application with the Department of Labor on behalf of my clients. I got to file an application on, on like, and for those of your accounts, maybe you have to file something to the IRS, right? Yeah, tax season. You file something for the IRS, right? And so I file things with the Department of Labor all the time. And it's a pain to do. Right? And I submit it. Submit that application on behalf of my clients. 
I put a lot of work to it. I sleep until 2 in the morning, like, not sleep until 2 in the morning, work until 2 in the morning doing it, right? And I submit it. Four months later, I get an email that says, the Department of Labor has certified your application. Which means the Department of Labor looks at my application and says, this is good, this is acceptable. Are you with me? That's because I put all my work into it until 2 o'clock in the morning. As great as that work is, and I'm pretty good, it's not going to mean anything until the government certifies it. That's the idea that Paul has here. The fact that Jesus put all his work dying for you, as great as that is, you still need God's seal of approval that his work satisfied his judgment. And that certification, that proclamation that his death was enough to pay for our sins and that we are justified, that sign, that message is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's Paul's argument. Are you, are you with me? The fact that he just died for you, he put all his work dying for you, that's a great thing. But if Christ was not raised from the dead, then God, is not, God, God hasn't declared, you, like, declared us justified. Are we clear? That's why Jesus Christ, Paul says, has to be raised from the dead. If Jesus Christ was not raised from the dead, then we are not justified. Therefore, we're still in our sins. He needed to be, he needed to be risen. And because he rose, when God looks at us, when God looks at his people, after Jesus Christ rose from the dead, he looks at it and he says, you are justified. Christ's payment on the cross is enough to satisfy my judgment against you. And because we are justified, because Christ has paid for our payment, and God acknowledged that the blood of Christ is enough to pay for our sins, God declares us righteous. Look, like... Like, I realized I got a letter from the, like, the Fairfax County Tax Department saying I owed, like, like, my, like uh, my DMV is on hold. I go, why? It's because, you know, I had a parking ticket back in July 2018. I don't remember getting a parking ticket. And I go, wife? And she says, no, it's your car. I go, okay. <laughs> so I paid it, right? I paid, the, I paid it, right? But after I paid it, I have to call the Department of, Department of like, Fairfax County Tax Division back, saying I paid it. I had to give them a number of evidence that I paid it. And now that judgment is gone. That's what the resurrection is. It's satisfied judgment. And because Jesus Christ satis satisfied the penalty of our sins, we are justified in the sight of God. And because we are justified in the sight of God, we are made righteous. When God looks at us, he says, you are right with me. Let's get back to the lady who says, how does my marriage resurrection have to do with, what to do with, 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 with my marriage problems? If you are righteous in God's sight, will not God deliver and take care of the righteous? If you are righteous, if, if God looks at you righteously, and if you are his now, will not the living God deliver his, righteous, his, people, his righteous people? Many of the Psalms is about that. God delivers the righteous. Even though we may go through the valley of shadow of death sometimes, 
the underlying promise, the clear promise of Scripture is God will protect, save, deliver, answer the prayers of the righteous. God does amazing things in our lives because we are righteous before His sight. If I could write a book, and maybe I'll write a book before I die. No one's going to read it. Maybe you'll read it. And I will tell you all the great things that God has done for me. And he has done great things for me because I am righteous in his sight. Not because I'm perfect. Clearly I'm not. Ask Pastor Rujin. Clearly I'm not. But because Jesus Christ paid for my sins, I am justified of my sins and I am righteous before him. That is a confidence. Are you in darkness right now? Are you perturbed, depressed, anxious? You have no idea what's going on? Take heart, people. If you are righteous before God's sight, will he not take care of you? Will he not answer your prayers? Will he not deliver you? He will. Because God takes care of the righteous. And we are righteous because we are made just through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. ¿Ya comprende? Yeah? Second thing that the resurrection does is he, we, he opens our eyes, right, to the broader spectrum of eternity. Verse 19, Paul says, If Christ has not been raised from the dead, then we are to be pitied because if he did not raise from the dead, all we have is this work. Right? That's what, I mean, I'm paraphrasing. Paul, in verse 19, says, Jesus Christ raised from the dead, we should be most pitied. Because if Jesus Christ didn't rise from the dead, then all we have is this world, and we spend our time saying no to pleasurable things. Right? He's saying, if Jesus Christ didn't raise from the dead, all the work that you do here for his sake is foolish. Because you could have just gone outside, like, living for the world. Right? If Jesus Christ didn't raise from the dead, then this world is all we have. Good example is, if Jesus Christ didn't raise from the dead, you're wasting your time here. You should be going to Arlington having brunch, right? You should be taking a nap. You should be going to Burke Lake Park throwing a frisbee. This is a waste of time if Jesus Christ didn't raise from the dead, because if Jesus Christ didn't raise from the dead, this world is all we have. If Jesus Christ didn't raise from the dead, all you men and women, you should be working your tail off right now to get as much money as you can, to live as comfortably as you can. If Jesus Christ did not raise from the dead, you shouldn't be reading your Bible. You, sh you shouldn't feel guilty about sinning. Right? You shouldn't be. Because this word is all you have. Because Jesus Christ raised from the dead, he opens our eyes to see that this world is not, it's not the only thing that we have. We have eternity. When we believe in Jesus Christ, he opens our eyes. It's like him opening our window. And we begin to see things more clearly and fully. When we start to see things more fully and clear in the perspective of eternity, and when we contextualize our event in this world right now in the perspective of eternity, we have, we have peace, we have confidence. Look, Tom Hay, I think I told you many times, there's this guy named Tom Hay, he owns a, like a telecommunication company startup in Pomona, California, right? He's a really smart guy. Engineer, right, makes $250,000, he says. He has a wife and a kid, right? He makes $250,000. He gives away 70% of it. 
Him and his wife and the kid live off like $40,000, $50,000 a year. He gives up $200,000 a year every year. People Magazine, my favorite magazine, made a like, secular magazine, did an interview with him. He said, you make $250,000 a year, and you're living in the poorest part of L.A. with your kid. Didn't you, like, shouldn't you be buying your like, parents a BMW or something? He says, no. He says, I'm a Christian. And I, he says, the thing the money can buy is simply not real, he says. What's real is using my money to serve God. That's real. The American dream, he says, is not real to me. Why can Tom Hayes start to look at his life like that? It's because he has a perspective of eternity. It's not just this world that he knows he's living for. When you believe the resurrection of Jesus Christ, you believe now, right? That your life is not just limited to the things of this world. It's bigger, longer, grander than that. When you have a bigger perspective of the world, what you are, what you have, what you do in this world, it's not as stressful as you think it was. was. You get stressed out about what am I going to do in this world, what kind of job am I going to do, what kind of car am I going to drive, what kind of house am I going to live. It's not that important in the grand aspect of eternity. Right? When you believe in the resurrection, you know your eternal destiny. Verse 19, Paul says, Jesus Christ is the first fruit of our salvation. He said, he says, in verse 20, he says, Jesus is the first fruit of those who fall asleep. What does he mean by first fruit? Paul says, Jesus, is the, Jesus died. Three days later, he resurrected with the redeemed, glorified body. By first fruit, Paul means that's the destiny of all those who believe in him. Of all those who believe in him, our eternal destiny is to be like him in his resurrected form. Because he resurrected in real ways, that is how we're going to be when we're united with the Father. That's, the etern- that's our eternal destiny. That's our certain destiny. I know a guy whose friend, like, like whose partner, his dream is to retire by, by the time he's 40, right? Or 35, right? Yeah, 35. So the guy makes good money, but he lives like a college student, right? Sleep on a futon, right? Right? Like on romantic dates, he takes them to like Domino's Pizza, right? Everything. Like, because he pours out all of his money into his savings so that he can retire by the time he's 35. Right? Why does he live like that? Because he's so sure that by the time he's 35, he's going to be retired. Retired. He has a clear vision of what he's going to be when he's 35. Therefore, that dictates how he lives right now. Paul is saying, our eternal destiny is, to, we're going to be exactly like Jesus Christ in his glorified body. That's the destiny that awaits all of us. Look forward to that day. The resurrection clearly shows you what our eternal destiny will look like, where we will end up, where we will go, and that's for sure. Your eternal destiny is not Florida, God's waiting room, right? Your eternal destiny is not your 401k plan. 
That's not your eternal destiny. Your, eternal, your destiny here is like pretty, pretty, maybe most likely a hospital bed, right? That's your destiny here in this world. Your eternal destiny, where you will be for all eternity, is to be like Christ in a glorified form. That's where we're going to go. And that's what the resurrected clearly shows us. Why are you so anxious about the things of this world, my friends? You know where you're going. The resurrection clearly shows you where you're going. God justifies you through his resurrection. God opens your window eyes to see eternity through the resurrection. God shows you exactly where you're going to go through the resurrection. That is why the resurrection is so important to the Christian. You understand? This is really important. And if you're a Christian, you are because he has has been resurrected. The same power that resurrected Jesus Christ is resurrecting your dead spirits. And that is so wonderful. Let's pray.